a very warm welcome to this Mastering the Game of Life podcast with your host, Paul Lowe. Paul offers wisdom, insights and tips for living a healthy, meaningful, purposeful life. On the back of overcoming extreme adversity, Paul has a proven track record of achieving life-enhancing results. He offers empowering advice and guidance to help people develop a mindset for success so that they can live with more happiness and prosperity. Through his Mastering the Game of Life podcast and books, Paul also helps people to get their own inspirational messages and powerful stories out into the world, as well as being involved in supporting many charitable organisations in their development, fundraising and projects. Hello listeners and welcome to this Mastering the Game of Life podcast episode. Today I'm joined by a lady called Ellie Aikenlab from Illinois and in the United States of America. And Ellie's one of our young people and part of the uh, the new focus of the world through the eyes of a young person, because it's fair to say it's so much different. So really looking forward to this conversation with Ellie. Ellie, a very warm welcome to you. All right. So um, by way of, um, you know, getting warmed up a bit and, and getting uh, so our listeners can find out a little bit about, um, you know, who you are, what you do, etc. Just just share what you want to share, Ellie. Uh, sure. Uh, like you said, I feel like I need to introduce myself. My name's still, I'm Ellie. Uh, I just recently turned 19. I graduated uh, high school in the spring and I'm going to be going to college in this fall. Right now, though, it's the summer. I'm living home with my parents, who both worked in uh, education, and my two brothers. One is still in high school, and one's in fifth grade. And, like, during my time in high school, I've uh, been involved a lot with my community, which has kind of uh, shaped my perspective. I worked uh, with student council, where we did a lot of fundraisers for uh, people around town. Worked with art club, which, while I wasn't great at art, I really liked getting to interact with kids and volunteer. And uh, I volunteered with uh, an organization in St. Clair County called Teen Court, where we uh, worked with like the justice system. And that's something I'd love to get into in a little bit. Mm, interesting. Very interesting. So, I mean, the main focus of this, Ellie, to, uh, as I said, you know, the top of this conversation to our listeners is, is to try and understand the world through the eyes of a young person. Because isn't it fair to say you know, if we can start from a very broad general point of view, that there is such a gap between how young people generally see the world and how the older generations see the world. Would you agree with that statement? Yeah, I'd say there's quite a gap. And um, when we first uh, discussed, you know, me being on the show, I was thinking, why is there like such a difference between how young people are viewing the world right now and older generations? And I think like, I feel like that's been touched on by everyone. And my one of the reasons is uh, social media. Not so much just social media, but uh, the news cycle. Because I know as a young person, I've been practically raised on getting this uh, negative influx of information. And while we have a lot of information on our hands, and that's great, and I love it, at the same time, we've been exposed to like, like when I scroll through my feed, I'll see something about Black Lives Matter and then COVID and then what indigenous people are going through and then news of a hate crime and then a GoFundMe that's asking for money because they can't afford it. And it's all this negative information. And so I think uh, from a young age, my generation has been 
abundantly aware of the issues going on and it in a way that makes us like more frustrated because it feels like some of the older generations aren't as aware or as dismissing it yeah social media it's a dual-edged sword isn't it i mean on the one hand it's extremely powerful and i have a saying ellie that ignore it at your peril because it's such a big machine in our world that you can't ignore it you absolutely can't ignore it um but it's like any tool if it's used effectively and constructively you know for the greater good then that's fine but I'm not so sure that it always is. And this sensationalism and this fear that it's used to create, um, you know, if we can simplify the world into a, into, you know, into a polarized fear versus love scenario. And, you know, from my humble opinion, and this might be indicative of my age, I don't know, but my personal opinion, and it is only my personal opinion, is social media generally is used to create more fear than love i mean i don't know what your thoughts are around that ellie oh that's a good one um i think you know you there's a very validness to that because i think it's very easy with uh social media to radicalize things make it this is good this is bad you have to be perfect or you're bad you're canceled and like Mm. i definitely see that especially uh you know with like some sorts of drama where there will be uh people who are uh, big figures on the internet and somebody will find something they said seven years ago as proof that they're a bad person. And in like some cases it's very valid, but in some it's like you can't acknowledge that people can make mistakes and grow. And that's definitely, I think, an issue on social media. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know in the UK, for example, um, when there's an election for a new party coming up and or you know if a if a leader of a you know the power in part has been you know particularly controversial they'll dig some dirt up from even going back to the uni years which might have been i don't know 30 40 years ago oh do you know this guy you know he or she smoked pot then it's like 30 40 years ago who really cares you know like you say we're human beings we're fallible we make mistakes and that's how we grow isn't it by learning from those, um, you know, from those so-called mistakes. But the social media, there's, there's kind of no place to hide, is there? Yeah, I agree. But at the same time, I will say, you know, I try to see the positives and negatives of the two. And I think, you know, as a young person, I can see some more of the positives. And while, again, it's really hard and it's really hard with pulling up stuff from years ago, especially when it's minor, I do appreciate that. I think while we still have issues with like the dichotomy between point blank, good point blank, bad, no room for growth. You know, I think it's works in a way where I can learn a lot more about my public figures. I can learn, you know, in cases where it's not a minor mistake, but if you learn things that happened 30 years ago that are more of a reveal of character that they, you know, purposely never acknowledge and continue to, make those same mistakes or choices that's why mm-hmm. i think you that advantage of social media where if you use it right you can be really informed on a lot of issues and be able yeah. to again, hold some more people accountable without like i said getting into that territory of blind cancelling canceling people yeah 
Yeah, yeah, and, and and it is. You use the right word there when you said use, because that's what it is a tool, isn't it? As we've already identified, it's um, and any tool's only as good as its user, really. And uh, but I, I do think, I do think personally, it does take some good using personally. But you know, there again, Ellie, this might be a great case in point where you know people of a certain generation, I myself, have got a quite. Mm, more tainted view of it whereas a younger person such as yourself has got a more you know a, a more arguably a more balanced because it's you know you guys are brought up with it it's second nature to you and it's it's what we get used to isn't it because as human beings we're creatures of habit yeah um it's funny seeing the difference between me and my parents because i think like phones and social media started to get big when I was eight or nine in a way I think that was a perfect age because I never experienced like I know that they worry with like some young kids who are four and five and who only like play on phones all day I was able to be outside and you know like be a kid and then as I got older though I was at the age where you know I kind of grew up as phones and technology did and so I navigate in a way that, like, my parents just don't. Like, I love them, but my mom, she'd be like, how do you turn your flashlight on? And it's, like, specific steps they go through to learn how to work this. Whereas, like, me and, like, my friends and, like, my brothers, though we might not know how to work something, we know, like, we already have learned from a young age the process of figuring out how a piece of technology or a piece of media works. Yeah, I suppose it's confidence, isn't it? It's like goes back to what I said, you know, you guys, you younger guys are bought up with it and it's like, okay, I might not know something, but I want to play with it. I want to, you know, experiment with it. Whereas, you know, maybe is a slight stereotype here, Ellie, that, you know, the older, oh, you know, I don't want to kind of don't want to mess with it. You don't know pressing those buttons, what will happen and all this kind of thing. <laughs> you know, it's that lack of confidence, isn't it? I mean, which brings us nicely into another question, uh, really about the confidence of young people you know do you think young people are generally more confident or does that depend on you know the focus in which they're dealing with I mean we've given social media I would say generally they are very confident uh, around social media but do you think confidence is the thing of the younger person naturally more so than the older person oh that's a good question um I think to a certain extent, uh, all of us young people have a confidence that comes from, you know, uh, it's like the invincibility complex or whatever, where we haven't really failed yet or faced, most of us haven't faced, you know, major life challenges. So in a way, we feel kind of untouchable and more confident. Mm. I'd say too, um, I know part of my confidence when it comes to just speaking on matters and. Uh, using technology just comes from again just a sheer amount of information i'm able to find like i know uh if i'm speaking on politics or whatever i can have sources backed up and information that i find like with the touch of my you know with just googling on my phone over like one minute and mm -hmm. i think with that information that's a different type of like confidence where of backing up that's, uh, I guess, new to just, not just young people, but people in general, because again, we can get information so much faster now. 
Yeah, yeah. Manners, you introduced the word manners there earlier. That's an interesting one. What's your thoughts around the differences, if any, between the older generation and the younger generation in respect of manners? It's funny because uh, I've seen, like, you know, the stereotypes where, like, I think the general stereotype is that the older generations have more manners than the younger generations. Like, we're all, you know, rude and have our phone stuck in our face and, you know, we don't pay attention. But it's, uh, like I said, it's kind of funny because I've seen almost the reverse stereotype as well with, like, the trend where uh, we call uh, rude customers Karens. And it's, like, that uh, middle-aged, like, uh, white mom who is, like, just so convinced of her own superiority where you compare it to uh, teenagers these days. And I don't know if it's for all people, but I know for me, like, there's a going joke that, like, we'd get the wrong order at a restaurant and we wouldn't say anything because we wouldn't want to be rude. I think when it comes to like service and stuff, again, I've seen that uh, almost a reversal where it's the younger generation that is trying to be more considerate and polite of like your surroundings and the people around you where we seem, where sometimes we see a certain set of, sense of uh, entitlement from the older generations and what they expect of like servers or what they expect of, the store they're going into. Mm. We've also mentioned politics. That's kind of raised its head. So what's, what's the younger generation's... I mean, that sounds really strange saying the younger generation. It's all of a sudden Ellie's, Ellie's the voice of the younger people, which is absolutely <laughs> fine in the context of this podcast because that obviously was the purpose that uh, of the conversation. So, But what, you know, from a politics point of view, Ellie... You know, how do the young people, I mean, I've got something I'll share with you, but I want to ask you the question first. How do young people see politicians generally? Uh, on the whole, just politicians. I think there's, uh, as I know, speaking from as an American, I think with the younger generations, there's just a fundamental lack of trust. Um, I don't know exactly why it's popped up with, I know, our generation, but... Uh, I don't think most people my age are happy with any of our politicians, regardless if you tend to lean left or right. If you, like me personally, I lean more left and I like, I don't like our presidential candidate very much this year for on the Democrat side. And most of my friends don't either. I think just on the whole, like we feel like, or from what I've seen, it feels like all the systems of politics and the, the left versus right and the big parties and stuff, it just feels kind of pointless, kind of like they're all in it for themselves sometimes. Mm. And that's what you've said there, they're all in it for themselves. A thing uh, or a statement I've heard very, very consistently from young people is we are not prepared to let people that are out completely out of touch with our world decide our future. Is that a fair comment? Yes. And I think uh, one of the things that I'm incredibly personally frustrated with when it comes to the politician's gap of being out of touch, and this goes specifically for a lot of politicians who are older and have been in power for a while, is on the case of like the environment, because the world is getting warmer. It's global warming. There's like an environmental crisis. 
and they're not doing anything to pass regulations to help cut down on emissions. And it's like, you're quite frankly, they're old enough, they're going to die. They're not going to deal with this issue. They didn't do anything to deal with this issue. And it's just going to be on us and we're going to kind of be out of luck there because the people who are in power who should have done something haven't been. What's the main focus? I mean, these are big questions. These are broad sweeping questions, Ellie, because obviously I'm speaking to you as, as one individual, but then in the same breath asking you a kind of collectiveness around, you know, young people generally. What would you say from a young person's view, uh, either just with the states or from your knowledge of the world, either or, is the biggest focus or concern well they're two separate questions focus is one thing concerns another but let, yeah I mean let's offer both um, Ellie so what's the biggest focus for young people these days in, in the world is is it social media you know what, what's the thing that really grabs young people where they're you know where their hearts are at where their minds are at I think from what I've seen especially now and who knows my answer might be vastly different in a couple months but it's been pretty consistent throughout the past couple of years is I think the issues of social justice are really big on people's minds. Uh, and again, I think part of that goes back to we get all this news and we get all this news of people who one way or another are like facing issues, being discriminated against. And there are little changes, but nothing really changes. And even on the sides of people who uh, think, oh, the world's okay, there's extreme annoyance with the social justice movement. And I think uh, that's just one thing that I've seen, like, me and my friends will be hanging out and we'll end up just talking for 20, 30 minutes about the latest, uh, whether it was Black Lives Matter or... Uh, gun rights with uh when the shooting started becoming big a couple of years ago across our across the united states just uh a lot of i think social justice issues when it, in terms just really takes the minds these days mm. so are the older generation are we missing big tricks um in, in the world ellie you know by um I, I'm going to use the word ignoring young people. I mean, it's quite a controversial statement stroke question that is. But, you know, for us older generation, um, through your eyes as a young person, are we, are we missing something radical in terms of, well, you're only young, what do you know? It's, you know, what's your thoughts around that? I think a lot of things that my generation I've seen are in big support of are more radical to the older generation. And I think part of this is again, specifically from the States where like um, a lot of us think everyone should get a right to healthcare. Just like everyone should be able to get that without having to like beg on GoFundMe, which I've seen a lot of. A lot of people think uh, things like, uh, rights for the LGBT community, thing, uh, uh, issues of sexism where I think, well, those issues, I think, uh, where we take it as a given, like those are wrong. I think the older generation, while they 
can take that as a given. They've all, you all have like grown up as the opinion has been changing. So I think there's kind of a, a difference there where uh, what you see as, oh, we've worked really hard to get this, you know, be happy. We're like, this is the bare minimum where you need to go further. And I think that's where I think young people can feel like they're being ignored because what like has been worked for is for us just already a given, if that makes sense. Mm, it does, yeah. So in terms of a collective then, Ellie, what's what's young people's vision? I mean, let, let's kind of focus this, well, let's focus it on America because obviously you're well-placed to, or, you know, yet again, you can step outside of that and look at it from a global perspective, from your own, you know, your own personal point of view. But what's a young person's vision for the future, for the world future? What does that look like through the eyes of a young person? Well, like right now, and this is going to be, I think, speaking on more my behalf and what I've seen from like people I follow, people on my feed, people around me. Because of course, you know, there's going to be people who are also part of my generation who probably want the opposite. Um, like right now, the world is kind of a dark and scary place, honestly. But I'm hopeful for the future because I think uh, the because I feel kind of excited at the thought that you know I'm coming of age a lot of people I know and trust are coming of age and soon enough like will be uh, shaping the world as well and I think my ideal future would be one where uh, and like I said I know social justice is on my brain a lot an ideal future would be where the issues of racism, especially like on the systemic level, the issues of discrimination in the workplace through over uh, your sexual orientation or your gender identity or your, whether you're, or if you're a woman, cause uh, there are issues there. If you're African-American or Hispanic or Asian-American, where all of those issues have definitely, uh, I mean, ideally, you know, been solved. But obviously, I think we know there's a lot of work ahead. So maybe I should be saying my ideal future is when the people in charge are actively working to change that, are actively listening to the people they're supposed to represent. Actively listening, yeah. I mean, obviously, Ellie, you've you've been very consistent in this uh, in this talk around social justice. Yet again, I ask you either from a personal or a collective perspective around what are what are the things that young people value? What what's the number one values? You know, you've spoke around the vision there, but what about the values that go with that? What's what's really paramount in a young person's value system these days? I think this kind of just pops into my head. I think it might be honesty because, you know, I've seen so many things where big, powerful people turned out to be lying, where politicians turned out to be lying, where people are being constantly exposed for being corrupt, for stealing money, for profiting off suffering. I think just having people 
empower people, not even on a political scale, but like your bosses, uh, your teachers, if just honesty, just being upfront with your goals and being open about what you're doing. Yeah, that's I mean, it's certainly a great line in the sand. Honesty is it's certainly a very solid platform to build, to build any value structure from. Absolutely, there's um there's a friend stroke mentor of mine, Ellie, a gentleman by the name of Richard Gerver. He's an Englishman, um, and he's got quite involved um, to a certain degree with Barack Obama, and. Former head teacher. That's where I met Richard, what, 17, 18 years ago. And I love one of the things he says about, I mean, he's absolutely passionate about young people generally. And one of the things he says around all the eminent people, um, you know, people that have achieved great things in life, irrespective, you know, from what arena. And I quote, they've all got an infectious, childlike enthusiasm. And that's why, Ellie, one of the reasons, you know, to capture what Richard said there, that, you know, that childlike, infectious enthusiasm, because there's no kind of, you know, I think generally speaking, what I'm trying to say is we get older and we make a mistake. It takes us a bit longer to recover, whereas, you know, stereotypically younger people, it's like, well, you know, OK, we've made a mistake. I don't even call it a mistake. It's all part of the learning process. And they just kind of smile and you know, just get on with it, don't they? I mean, would you agree with that? Do you see that much around your world where, you know, if you have a setback, depending on what the setback is, of course, that basically you just smile and get on with it and that infectiousness, that, that enthusiasm is just naturally there within younger people? Yeah, I'd agree. I think, yeah, younger people, I think we're able to just keep going and i'm not sure if it's you know just again that childlike enthusiasm or i think in some of our cases it's because um we haven't yet achieved what we want to do so it's like you don't have any other options you just got to keep trying at it whether it's like you know when you're in seventh grade or sixth grade and you want to make the sports sports team or when you're in high school and you're trying to raise your grade so you can go to college because you want to go to college there's like no other option you just do it mm. yeah okay so as we come towards the close ellie i want to ask you i suppose a uh a, well a massive question so i want you to i want you to imagine i want you to use that creative young mind to imagine that you're in power and the fairy godmother comes and sits alongside of you to rule and says, okay, but you can only have one wish to affect humanity in a positive way. What would that be, Ellie? What would that one stroke of the proverbial fairy godmother's magic wand be to grant, well, whatever that may be? I don't want to put words in your mouth. What would that be? I'm going to think for a minute. That's a good question. I think, I guess, my one wish for humanity, so one wish, I guess, would be, because, you know, no one wish can fix everything, but I guess I'd wish that people wouldn't be able to look away from, like, just, I guess, all the issues, because I think, um, on the whole, I think humanity and people, we want to make the world better. We want to help each other out. You know, I'm an, I'm an optimist. I think everyone, at the end of the day, 
wants to make themselves and others happy. So I think, you know, by wishing that people couldn't look away from, again, the big issues from what's going on, they'd, uh, if everyone could see from others' perspectives, if everyone could see the issues others are facing, I think, because I think we all care about each other, I think on our own we'd start to find ways to fix those issues. I think it's just a matter of, again, being able to recognize that there are problems and recognizing that other people might be experiencing something entirely different from yourself. Yeah, it's that awareness, isn't it, that, you know, um, because I agree with you, I think that, you know, that basic human compassion and care and, and love for fellow man is there, but we get crippled by fear to the point where, you know, we kind of just look after ourselves because we didn't we didn't step outside of, you know, we just become paralysed with fear. I think it's as simple as that, really. And by raising that consciousness and that awareness that actually we're all in this together, I think uh, there's a lot of strength in unity there and for people to understand and realise that they're not on their own. So, um, OK, listen, I want to thank you so much for sharing your views, your energy, your input here around the world through the eyes of a young person. I mean, how can people, do you want to share anything? Have you got a social media profile, for example, that people could connect with you? I don't know, for argument's sake, on Facebook or are you a very private person? I mean, how... Because I normally ask guests at the end of each conversation, Ellie, you know, to share their details. If they wish, they don't have to. So I offer you the same, um, the same, really, if you want to share your, well, any any contact details at all, or not, as the case may be. Most of my stuff I keep pretty private, mostly, honestly, because I'm a little lazy. I don't want to deal with too many people. I have a pretty public uh, Facebook so that that's um, under your under your 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 name is it Ellie? Just yeah, under just the, yeah, Ellie Eichenlob. Yeah. Um, so can you spell that please for the benefit of the listeners? Oh yeah, uh, E L L I E. Then here's my last name. It's a long one. E I C H E N L A U B. Excellent. Okay. So thank you once again, Ellie, for, uh, for, for a delightful conversation. I know we could have, you know, it's the first time we've spoken, but uh, we could have, uh, I think we could have gone, uh, you know, we could have really dug down on one or two contentious issues. But uh, I think what we have done, listeners, we've created a platform, you know, from, uh, from two people that age-wise on the surface of it are quite polarised, you know, one in, in the late teens, the other one, uh, not in the late teens, let's just say that. Um, so, uh, but other than that, I hope you found it useful. I hope you found it interesting, but more importantly, and I think it's kind of uh, brings in, you know, the way we normally sign off, listeners. You've heard this so many times. Remember, mastering the game of life starts by embracing our hearts. And whether you're young or old, the one thing that's common in our world is the need for a good heart. And I believe personally that people have inherently got that. We just lose our way a little bit from time to time. And on that uh, interesting thought, I close. Thanks very much for listening to this Mastering the Game of Life podcast episode. If you found it interesting and helpful, drop a line to Paul via paul at paul-low.com with any thoughts or questions you may have 
He'd love to hear from you and he'd be more than happy to respond. Alternatively, check out Paul's website at www.paul-low.com. Remember, mastering the game of life starts by embracing our hearts. 